If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold it up real high. And let's all go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and Romans, the twelfth chapter. Galatians 5 and Romans 12. In Galatians 5 and 13, the scripture said, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Isn't that wonderful? Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The Amplified says, Don't let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh, an opportunity or excuse for selfishness, but through love you should serve one another. We've been on this for some weeks now. We've called in this series, Saved to Serve. We've been redeemed. We've been liberated. We've been healed. We've been, the Lord's gotten us, our needs met and gotten us in good shape and getting us there. Not just so we can play all the time. Not just so we can pursue entertainment day and night. But so we can be free and able to serve. Say it out loud, I've been saved saved. to serve. serve. Now serve is talking about uh, serving God by serving each other. The Lord's throne room doesn't need to be swept and mopped. (laughs) He doesn't need you to make him some sandwiches. He doesn't need any gas in his car. But his kids do. And anything you do for his kids, he takes it personally. And anything you do in faith and love to your brothers and sisters, he takes it as spiritual and as worship. Amen. Some of the most natural, seemingly small things are very significant in his eyes when it's done in faith and love to serve somebody, help somebody. In Romans, the 12th chapter, look at that again, please. Romans 12 and 1. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, in light of how merciful and gracious God has been to us. I mean, we are bought with a price aren't we? In view of his mercies, it's just reasonable that we serve him, that we use our freedom, our healing, our peace and soundness of mind, our prosperity to serve him. It's just reasonable. The NIV says, this is your spiritual act of worship. We need mind renewal concerning worship. There's a lot more to worship than just playing slow music and holding your hands up and going, I worship you, I worship you. That's not all there is to worship. According to this verse and according to others, these guys preparing these communion trays, wiping them down, cleaning them up, filling them up. If they're doing that because they love the Lord and because they love you, God calls it spiritual. And he calls it worship. They're worshiping God, assembling those trays, 
filling those trays. Our guys out in the parking lot are worshiping God, flagging you around, standing in the cold. Our guys with your, with your children and little ones are worshiping God, changing a diaper. Worshiping God. Worshiping God. Right? It's spiritual. There is a, some wrong thinking about what's spiritual and what's not. Some people think, unless you're praying loud in tongues or you're quoting Bible verses or you're preaching or teaching, it's not spiritual. But no, no. Some of the most seeming natural things are so spiritual because of why they're being done and and where it's coming from. It's being done unto the Lord. Faith pleases God. Can you say amen? amen? Now we already established from Ephesians 4 in previous times, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, that the Lord gave gifts unto men, and these gifts being the ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And why did he give them? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work, 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 work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Other translations talk about, well, the Amplified. His intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of the ministering toward building up of Christ's body. There's wrong thinking among many, many churches that the ministers are the ones who are supposed to do the work of the ministry. While the mass of people that come to church come and sit and get up and leave. And that's pretty much it. They try to learn some good things and try to be a good Christian. And just kind of bide their time till they get to heaven. But no. Everybody in the body is supposed to be in active service for the master. And the preachers are gifts from God if they're called and anointed. Like one fellow said, some are sent and some just went. <laughs> you know, you can't call yourself. You can't make yourself uh, one of these gifts. You either are or you're not. God's either put something in you or he hasn't. And it's not for you. It's a gift to the people. For the feeding, for the equipping, for the helping. Why? So that they can be perfected and built up so that they are able to do their part of the service. Their part of the work of service to the Lord. A very significant question to ask yourself is, what is my service to the Lord? What am I doing? And if you don't know that, you need to find out. Life is short. And don't think, well, you know, they got it all covered and, and, you know, I'm busy with this and busy with that. No, 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 no. Listen to me. God's put some things in you that uniquely qualify you to do certain service for the kingdom. And you'll never be happy. Until you find out what that is and start doing it. You'll never be happy. And what it is, is something that enables you to be a help. A real help to somebody. A real help to the church and the furtherance of the the kingdom. The advancement of the gospel. And it can be, it doesn't have to be teaching and preaching. It can be the most natural thing. You ever heard of a Holiab? Bezalel? They're in the Bible. And the Bible said God anointed them 
Talked about the Spirit of God anointed them. The anointing, the holy anointing of God was on them. Not to preach, not to teach, not to prophesy, not to pray, not to be a prophet, not to be a teacher. To work with metal. To work with wood. To work with fabric. Why? Because it was connected with the temple of God. You know, God could anoint you to plumb, to roof. Yeah. Anoint you to rebuild a transmission. The Holy Ghost knows everything about transmissions. Everything. He knows more about transmissions than GM and Ford put together. Anybody that ever learned anything about transmissions, learned it from him. Why did I say that? Because once in a while, not once in a while, on a regular basis, you and I need to stop and go, Lord, you know everything there is to know about this. Help me out. Show me what I need to know about this. Reveal to me, please. What's wrong with this thing? <laughs> what do I need to do to get it going again? This has happened in my life many, many times. And if you've begun to be led by the Spirit in your life, Many, many times. How many can raise a hand and say, he will help you. He will show you. Now, don't try to hear an audible voice. Don't try to see angels. Just check your heart. And so many times, it'll just come to you. Not not from you figuring it out. It'll just come from inside you. It'll rise up to your mind, and you'll just know it. You'll go, whoa. Check this. Look at this. I know a a lady that uh, uh, was used a lot in the word of knowledge was sharing a a situation that happened to them. And this kind of thing happened over and over again. One is they were were ministers, she and her husband. Both of them uh, preached and ministered together. And uh, they were going to this town they'd never been to before. And they're going to church they hadn't been to before. And some things had happened, and they were running late, late, late. And it's Sunday morning, and it's time for them to be to the church. And they got lost. And they couldn't find it. This is years ago, pre-GPS and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so she, he's driving. And, of course, they're getting a little, you know, antsy about this. And, and she's, she's praying, going, Lord, help us. And uh, uh, it came up to her newspaper. Newspaper. And she told her husband, I keep getting newspaper. He says, well, we need to find the church. I know it, but I just keep getting newspaper. And uh, he said, what do, you, what do you think that means? She said, I don't know. But I just keep getting newspaper. And they, they were coming by this little store and they saw a newspaper standing outside. and said, well, okay. And they wheeled in, got a paper. And uh, just a couple of pages in, it said, uh, had their picture. And said that they were speaking at the church on, on the day and had a little map of how to get there. <laughs> the Holy Ghost knows. He knows everything. They bought a new travel trailer, and uh, brand new. I forget, it's like an Airstream or something, one of these that you pull behind your vehicle. And so this is their first trip, and they're in it all day, and boy, it's so nice. And, and by the time they got to their place, it was getting dark, and uh, it was raining, just pouring. And so uh, he told her, well, you just stay in the trailer, and, and we'll go out and get it set up and get it hooked up to the water and to the electrical and everything. And so they did. He's drenched. The guy at the campsite is drenched. I mean, it's just flooding. And uh, 
And he, and he said, well, turn, you know, turn stuff on. And she did. And, and the lights wouldn't come on and nothing would come on. And so they're out there messing around with the box and everything and, and doing this. And they come back, anything? No, they did this for a couple of hours. Well, she starts praying and it just, it just kept coming up to her light bulbs. <laughs> so light bulbs, we need electricity, you know. And, and she pushed it down a few times, but she had learned to pay attention. She said, honey, I, I keep getting light bulbs. He said, uh, are there any light bulbs in the trailer? No, not a one. There was no light bulb. <laughs> they had electricity. <laughs> See, it's so easy to, uh, to get focused on God. Help us get this electricity in here. Hey, you got plenty of electricity. That's not the problem. Need some light bulbs. <laughs> the one who lives inside you knows everything. Everything. Check with him often. Ask him regularly. Just, just pause and stop and say... Holy Spirit, help me with this. Show me what I need to do. What's what's, what's going on with this thing? And and get quiet. He's the God of peace. And that peace will cause you to know. And this being upset and running around and all that stuff, uh, you can't hear from God like that. You sit down and get quiet and get focused and ask for help. And you'll get it. How many can testify? He'll give you help again and again and again. Romans 12 and 1 talked about serving God, which is your reasonable service. Well, that continues to flow throughout this chapter. And in verse 11, he said, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Say that out loud. Not slothful. slothful. Fervent. Fervent. Serving. Numerous places in the scripture we are admonished and warned not to be idle, not to be a sluggard, not to be slothful. Do you know the the first three letters of the word slothful? Slow. (laughs) Slow. And the animal, the sloth, he's Slow. He puts one foot in front of the other. Takes him forever. Do something, get anywhere. What the Bible say about that? Don't be like that. Don't be like that. But how should you be? Fervent. Fervent means on fire. Fervent means you got the fire's hot. Open up the belly of the locomotive and throw some coal in there. Get this thing heated up. Build us a full head of steam. Why? Because we're going somewhere. We're doing something. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Here's an enemy. Of your service to the Lord. Slothfulness. The uh, New King James says. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. The Living Bible says, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. We've seen that before in the King James, zealous or with zeal. Now, every one of us have experienced some slothfulness, idleness, laziness. Everybody in here, you know. 
Your flesh. Everybody's got the same kind of flesh. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you yield to your flesh, you'll wait and drag and you'll focus on how you feel and what's going on. And you'll just go, well, I don't feel like it right now. And let's do it tomorrow. And that's your flesh. That's my flesh. Everybody's got the same kind of flesh. That's why we must not be flesh ruled. But the man on the inside is supposed to govern and override the flesh. One of the devil's most successful tactics is getting you to put it off. Put it off. We'll do it tomorrow. Because he knows no one has ever done anything tomorrow. Because when it gets here, when is it? Today. And tomorrow is still? <laughs> right? Anything that was ever done, when was it done? Today. today. <laughs> it's got to be some point where we're doing it today. We're doing it now. The devil knows this. And he doesn't come to the front door. He knows if he just tried to get you to say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do what the Lord wants us to do. You'd say, oh, no, that's not right. So that's not going to work. So he comes in the back door and goes, let's do it tomorrow. And no, he, he knows that most people, most Christians do not realize how short their window of opportunity is. And that you'd put it off a few weeks and that turns into months and that can turn into a year and a few years. You can look up and it's time for you to leave here. And you didn't do it. A number of things in the earth have a, a limited time window. If you don't do them within that time frame, you're not going to do them. You'll miss your opportunity. Uh, Jesus, you know, wept over Jerusalem. You remember that? He, when he was there, he's the Messiah. He's, he's the one the, the rabbis have been teaching on for centuries. He's, they, the city should have been in the biggest celebration that it's ever been in, right? I mean, this place should have been off the charts, joyous. But no, no. He's not in the middle of a celebration down there. He's up overlooking it. And the leaders are blaspheming him and every other thing. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had known the time of your visitation, what things belong to you, what you could have had, what you could have seen. But now you've missed it. You missed it. You've missed your time. You've missed your opportunity. Say by the grace of God. I won't miss my time of opportunity. But if you, if you are graced to not miss it. It will be because you weren't slothful. But there came a time when you knew you were to do something. It was today. And you hit it with both feet. And you were fervent in spirit. And you were diligent. So we see a real enemy to our service to the Lord here, don't we? This thing called idleness, slothfulness. You know, several places in the scripture, like we said, we are admonished, we are warned strongly. Don't be idle. 
You know, Jesus talked about this. He taught about the individual standing in the marketplace idle all day. And he asked him, he said, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? That's the Lord. You know, he told us every word we, are, we speak is supposed to produce something. Every idle word, every non-working word, he said, you're going to have to give an account for that. Because you didn't make that word produce something. He expects us to work. Doesn't he? Do you feel the excitement in the building? Whew. Go to James now. I'll just hold on. It's going to get better. James 2. It'll get even better. Do you love the word? Huh? What does the word do for you? It builds you up. It sets you free. It heals you. It lightens your path. Right? Every verse is good. Even the ones your flesh don't like. James 2 and 20. Notice this. Will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? That is the same word that in numerous other places in the same King James New Testament is translated work just like showing up at the job and going to work. Study it out for yourself and see. Work. He's talking about work. Faith without work is dead. Faith without working is dead. Say it out loud. Faith and no work is dead. In the uh, New Century Version, the NCV, he said, you foolish person, must you be shown that faith that does nothing is worth nothing? Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. This is a great, great truth. Oh, such a great truth. This is how you get your healing. This is how you get filled with the Spirit. This is how you get your bills paid. What do you mean? Well, healing. The woman with the issue of blood, how did she get healed? By laying on the couch and singing Kumbaya. Huh? Pass me not. Huh? No. Why is she in the book? In her weakened condition. You think she felt like leaving the house and doing all that? No, she didn't. She suffered many things of many physicians. She'd been this way for years and just keeps getting worse, worse, and worse all the time. She got herself up and got her little self dressed and pushed her body out the door. And she found them and she pressed through the crowd. It took every ounce of strength that she had. And then she reached through and touched the hem of his garment and got her healing. She could have laid in the house all day and all week and all month and all year singing about how much and saying, I believe in healing. Oh, I believe in healing. I believe God heals today. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And if there's no working, no moving to go with the faith, nothing's happening. It's dead. Right? Same thing is true with your finances. Lord, I claim more than enough to pay all my bills. I call every debt paid off. I call every bill paid. I I tithe. I sow. I claim abundance. I bind the devil. I loose the angels. 
Great, great, great. Now you're ready to go to work. You don't just lay around the house and keep making confessions. You get up. You move. You do what you can do. It's hard to steer a parked car. And if the Lord's going to steer you into your prosperity, into your plenty, you've got to get up and move and do something. Do what you know to do. Faith without working is dead. Faith without doing something is dead. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, please. I want us to take a real close look at this thing called sloth. Are you excited? (laughs) That was a faith statement there, wasn't it? (laughs) Teach me about sloth. (laughs) Don't be looking around going, where's so-and-so? A lazy rascal ain't even in church today. Boy, this was for him. And it, um, the Lord knew who was going to be here. Right? <laughs> this is us. And, and we've already said this now. This is not just for three or four people. Every one of us have yielded to some of this. Some have yielded to it a lot more than others. But none of us can say, well, uh, I've never yielded to any of that. Sure you have. You might have been a hard worker in one area, but then totally lazy in another area. But if you want results, we've got to put some action to our faith. And if we're going to serve, we're saved to serve. If we're going to serve him, we can't be slothful. We've got to be fervent, diligent. I want us to take a good look at what this, this slothfulness looks like, sounds like, acts like, so that we'll recognize it and identify it quickly. Before we ever start yielding to it and just cut it off and go, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to act that way. Whether you've yielded to it a little or a lot, same thing. You can resist it and enter into some blessings by having not not dead faith, but living faith. Proverbs 6 and 9. Proverbs 6, 9. I want you to pray it out loud. Say, "Father Father God, show me. What laziness looks like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here it is. How long will you sleep? Oh, sluggard? Sluggo? When will you arise out of your sleep? Laziness loves to sleep. Oh, it loves itself some sleep. It likes to go to bed early and sleep late and then get up and eat and then take a nap. (laughs) It's all about being comfortable. Comfortable. Oh, yeah. He said, how long are you going to sleep, slugger? And when are you going to rise or get up? When are you going to get up? When are you going to get up? Everybody's got the same kind of flesh. We've already talked about it. You know, I've come in many a time, two in the morning, and you got to be somewhere at seven. We stay, you know, sometimes I get to studying, and and uh, I thought I had it, but then I see I don't have it. And the time I get through, it's 3.30, and I'm preaching here at nine. And 
Your body doesn't always just want to jump out of the bed. (laughs) But you find that if your spirit's strong, you don't notice the stuff of the flesh as much. And you say, come on, let's go. Here we go. And once your blood gets to flowing and you get to moving, and especially when the Lord gets to doing some things, well then, hey, you forget all about that then. But if you just focus on how you feel and turn over and the more you yield to this, the worse it gets. The more you focus on how you feel, the worse you'll feel. And so the thing is, don't yield to it. Don't go down that path. Get yourself by the nap of the neck and say, here we go. Roll her out. Feet hit the floor. Right? It was cold outside. So, here we go. God gave you some shoes. Put them on. Let's go. <laughs> Chapter 20. Proverbs 20. Verse 4. The sluggard will not plow. He won't work. Why? He's got a reason. He's got a reason. It's too cold. <laughs> Sloth has reasons. It's too something. It's too heavy. It's uh, too far away. <laughs> huh? Too hot. Oh yeah. And too cold. Too windy. Too dry. Too wet. <laughs> too something. And, and what does that do? That pushes it off till. Tomorrow. But tomorrow it's too something. Maybe not the same two thing that it was yesterday, but it's two something else. <laughs> That's right. Till somebody said, until it's too late. That's right. But what's going to happen? He won't work because it's too cold or too something. What's going to happen to him? Therefore, he will beg in harvest. When other people are harvesting, he's not going to have anything because he wouldn't get out and do anything. And he's going to have nothing. Poverty comes on the slothful. Is this verse just as true as Mark eleven twenty three? Yes. Yes. Philippians four nineteen? Yes. It is. Faith without working is dead. Go on to the twenty second chapter, twenty two thirteen. So sloth yields to the flesh. Sloth makes excuses. Here's something else you see about sloth. The slothful man says there's a lion out there. There's <laughs> a lion out there. I'll be slain in the streets. So as a result of that, what? We, we can't go to work today. <laughs> man, did you hear, man, just two bucks from here. Lion? When was that? Oh, I don't, two years ago or so. <laughs> but man, you know, they could, he could come back today. You don't know when he might come back. So sloth is very... Safety conscious. Very safety conscious. Always a reason not to work, not to do, not to go. Let's see. uh, For for time's sake, skip on down to 26. 26, 12. There's a lot more in here if you care to study it sometime. Look it up and see what we're talking about. He said, do you see a man wise in his own conceit? Thinks he knows everything. There's more hope of a fool than him. 
Why? You can't teach him anything. He thinks he knows it all. Thirteen. The slothful man says, there's a lion in the way. There's a lion in the streets. There's that lion again, man. Lion. <laughs> lion out there. Fourteen. As the door turns upon his hinges, so does the slothful upon his bed. One side to the other. Like an old rusty door. Fifteen. The slothful hides his hand in his bosom and it grieves him to bring it to his mouth. He's sitting at the table and go, I'd sure like a piece of that cornbread. I'm going to build up a little strength here after a while and maybe get me some. <laughs> you know, my nose itches. <laughs> I just don't feel like scratching. People <laughs> say that's ridiculous. You can get there. Any one of us can get there. All you got to do is start yielding today to your flesh and just keep yielding. It'll get worse and worse and worse. Any one of us. So if somebody, if you know somebody that's really yielded to this a lot, don't judge. Except for the grace of God, you could be right in the same boat. People say, I never would. Watch it. Except for the grace of God. I'd never lay up there and do like that. I believe in work. You judge and you watch. Time will come. You'll realize maybe in this area or on your job, you were a hard worker. But you'll find that some other areas that might have even been more important. You were as lazy as could be. This is not about judging anybody. Except (laughs) us. Right? Verse 16. The sluggard, sluggo, is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Here's characteristic of sloth. It's unteachable. You can take seven men or women of God who are anointed, have great wisdom, and they can show you 40 scriptures in the word why something is true. But if it involves work or doing something that they don't want to do, they're smarter than everybody combined. They go, oh, no, no, God told me not to work. God told me. See, they know God better than their elders, better than their pastors, better than everybody anywhere. They know God better than all their family and friends. And, uh, you know, seven Anointed wise people can show them the truth plainly and they won't do it. They won't go with it. Unteachable. By the grace of God, you don't have to be that way though, do you? Go with me if you would. Over to Second Thessalonians. I want us to see two situations. I want to show you something that the Lord ministered to me years ago when we first started the church. Because it has to do with what we've already read in these scriptures. He said... That the person that did this, that yielded to this idleness, was going to be in want, was going to be in lack. One verse said, your your want will come like a bandit. Lack will come on you like an armed bandit. So you can't just tithe and and sow offerings and make good confessions and yield to sloth and have all your needs met. Can you? Isaiah... Uh, 119. I want us to look at that before we, we look at the other. Anybody know Isaiah 119? What does it say? If, if, 
If, what does if mean? If you do, you will. If you don't, you won't. If you be willing and obedient. Everybody say willing. willing. And what else? Obedient. What does obedient mean? You're going to do something. You're going to do something. If you be willing and obedient, you shall, not might, not could, you shall eat the good of the land. Say that loud. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You shall eat the good of the land. You believe that? What if you're not eating the good of the land? <laughs> or maybe not even eating. Well, the devil's just attacking me. Did he say, unless the devil's attacking you? Now, all of us have had challenges and issues, but if you go month after month and year after year as a child of God and your needs are not met and you're not eating the good of the land, we need to look at these two things, don't we? Don't we? What two things? Are you willing? And what? Are you obedient? Have you done what the Lord told you to do? And I know people, a lot of folks don't like to hear this. They like to imagine that, that I can be completely willing and right-hearted and completely obedient and still just be in lack all the time for unexplained reasons. But it's not so. Whether it's me, whether it's you, whoever it is. My, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, when he left his last church that he pastored and went out on the road, month after month he went in the hole financially until... He borrowed money to make it through the end of the year. He had to sell his car for scrap because it wasn't fit to drive. And, and he went to praying and fasting about it because he said, you know, my kids are not adequately clothed. I don't have a decent way to go. Uh, Lord, what's wrong here? And he was quoting to him this verse. He said, you said if I was willing and obedient, I'd eat the good of the land. And I did obey you. I left my last church. I didn't really want to, but you told me to go out on the road and, and I'm doing what you told me to do. I know I am, but I'm not eating the good of the land. And he kept bringing that before the Lord. And at the end of a few days of seeking the Lord and praying about it, he said the Lord spoke to his heart. He said, well, the reason you're not is because you don't qualify. He thought, Lord, I don't qualify. I did. I did what you told me to do. I left my last church. I did. I went out on the road. He said, yeah, but you're not willing. Grudging, griping, feeling like you're wanting to go back and do that. Two things. You got to do what he tells you to do. And you got to have a good heart about it while you do it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Huh? Amen. You got to be willing to do it. Glad to do it. Want to do it. If, if you want to eat the good of the land. Now, if you want to rake by, scrape by, go under. You can gripe, bellyache, not do it. <laughs> it's quiet in the church today. Don't get too quiet because. People might notice it. <laughs> they might notice it and go, oh boy, they must be real lazy. Look at the, look how mad they are. Now, even if it's something that's really applying to you, just look straight ahead and go, amen, Brother Keith. Amen. Preach it. Somebody needs us in here today. And, and just stay cool. And when you get home, you know, if it really hits you, then fall across the bed in the privacy of your own home and go, oh, God, that was me, and repent. But in here, just stay cool. Just just be cool. Amen. Brother Keith, somebody needs this. Who's going to eat the good of the land? 
What if you're not eating the good of the land? Who's right? You or God? You're going to tell God, well, now God, I know sometimes that ain't right. Sometimes you can be perfectly willing and obedient and just not have your needs met and not eat the good of the land. Sometimes it just works out that way. God, I'm sorry, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. I'm not going to tell him that. You can tell him that if you want to, but I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> I'm going to say, boss, you're right. Sure, right. You are right. So if I'm not eating the good of the land, it's time for Keith to check up and see if Keith is willing. And if Keith is obedient. Have I failed to do something the Lord told me to do? And it's leaving the door open for the enemy to steal and rob in my life and cause me problems. Not God withholding from me, me not obeying and leaving the door open. God's not my problem. He's not your problem. He's not withholding. He's he's not the problem. Never has been, never will be. Biggest problem is not the devil either. (laughs) You know who's caused you the most trouble? You see them in the mirror. <laughs> it's causing you more trouble than anybody. <laughs> but the good news is, I don't care what has happened last week or last year, you can repent. Repent means to change. You can change. You can change your ways. You can change how you think. You can change your heart. Brother Hagin said when the Lord told him that, he realized it. Well, of course the Lord's right. He's always right. He said, oh, God... He said, he looked down inside himself. He said, okay, now I'm willing. (laughs) He said, you know I'm willing. You know my heart. The devil knows I'm willing. I'm willing. And he was. And shortly after that, things began to change. His finances turned around. Not long after that, wound up in the best shape they'd ever been in. Just kept coming up, up, and up, and up. Go with me to that place we we said, what was it, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3? 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. When uh, we first started the church, not long after, people began to come and ask for financial help, assistance. And uh, some folks think that is the primary function of the local church, is to help out people in need and financially. And it is a part of what the church should do and can do. It is not the main thing the church is supposed to do. For one thing, the local church is never supposed to be anybody's source. We've all got the same source. But that doesn't mean that the Lord couldn't use you to help me or use me to help you. Right? And we, we serve compassion, cares, and is willing. But you know, after a while, we begin to get a, a lot of asking for assistance and I'm responsible for the oversight of your offerings and they're not to be wasted right they're not to be misspent and I know that some people are just religious cons they go from church to church and they just milk one church long as they can and then when they find out enough about them they leave and go to another place and there's a number of people that do this, and yet there's also people that legitimately could use some help. And the Lord has used us to help a lot of people over the years. And I'm thankful for that. And I, I want to grow and be stronger and able to help people. 
But how do you decide who you help and who you don't? Well, the Lord gave me two verses of scripture when I sought him about it and I asked him, I said, Lord, show me. What do we do? What do I tell uh, our associates and our people, that, uh, myself and them, when we're dealing with these situations? What, Of course, we're to be led, but he's going to lead you in line with the word. And uh, he gave me two passages of scripture. I want to give them to you. In uh, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6, I'm going to read this in the NIV. He said, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle. Keep away from who? Brothers. That's a Christian brother. But he's idle. He said, don't hang with him. Really? That's what he said. And does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. Does the Bible speak strongly against idleness? Oh, it does. It does. Keep going, verse 8. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. He's an apostle. He's teaching and preaching all the time. But they're just getting to know him. And he said, well, you'll, you'll see the rest of it. He did this to make sure he was a good example to them to follow. He said, on the contrary, we worked. We what? Work. We worked. Worked. Night and day. Laboring and toiling. He wanted to make sure you knew what he's talking about. Working. So that we would not be a burden to any of you. You know, love doesn't want to be a burden to anybody. Then what you'd have to think about me. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to work. We're going to get ours. Don't worry about it. Don't be concerned about us. Right? And get to the place where you can minister to somebody else. Verse 9. We did this not because we don't have a right to such help. But in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Many have thought if somebody's in need... You should help them. That's the criteria for helping people. If they're in need, you should help them. Not necessarily so. Here's somebody needs something to eat. And he says, they should be hungry. You should not feed them. Who? Somebody who has opportunity to work. Somebody who's able to work, but refuses to. Should not be helped. Should not be fed. So when somebody asks for help or or talks about needing help, that's one of the first questions we want to know. Are you working? Are you trying to work? And it may not be something that you necessarily envisioned all your life to do. Nobody said you had to do it all your life. But any work is honorable, honest work. If it's honest work, any any work that you are doing what you can do to have your own stuff taken care of so somebody else does not have to try to take care of it. Right? It's honorable. It was only pays so much. Well, it beats sitting at the house being idle. And it's an act of faith. Yeah, you're believing for your needs to be met, but you don't just sit at the house and make confessions. You get up and you do something. 
And God can steer a moving vehicle. Right? Maybe that job is not your ultimate job. But you get started and who knows. You might meet somebody on the job. And one thing leads to another that leads to another. Next thing you know you got a great job. Don't make excuses. It requires your faith. You say, well, nobody's hiring. That's not true. Well, nobody's making any money. That's not true. That's not true. There's a bunch of folks. This, uh, last year was the best year they've ever had. <laughs> I don't know any of them. Well, you could. God could introduce you. But not at the house singing Kumbaya. <laughs> you had to get your little self up and get dressed and get yourself out the door. Come on, are y'all with me? And do what you know to do. Do what he directs you to do. Faith without works is dead. Dead faith pays no bills. Does it? You got to do something. He said, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. You're not supposed to help somebody just because they need it. Or just because they need it desperately. You're supposed to be led. I'm not talking about somebody that was working and some things happened beyond their control and they hadn't been able to find anything yet. I'm talking about somebody who has, is able to work and has opportunity to work and won't. They refuse to. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 11, we hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. <laughs> See, when you're idle... You got time to get in trouble and time to cause trouble. You'll see this in other passages in the same New Testament. Staying busy. You know, people, you, you hear people saying, What are you doing? Well, staying busy, staying out of trouble. That's scriptural. It is. I can show you multiple scriptures that say the same thing. Especially when you're busy serving God. Right? Doing what He told you to do. You're occupied with Him, you're full of Him. Your day is full of him. Your life is full of him and full of good wholesome activity and there's not room for the enemy to get in. But when you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs all day, you're in open room for the devil to come in and go, hey, you busy? <laughs> you go, no, nah, I'm not doing anything. I got some stuff you could do. The other scripture the Lord gave me is in 1 Timothy 5. I knew you'd want to know these things today. <laughs> who gets financial help who does not well of course you should be led but the Lord's going to lead you how many know the spirit of God is not going to say one thing here and lead you contrary to it in life no 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 he's not going to change so his leading is going to always be in line with what he told you in the word 1 Timothy 5 and 3 was the second passage that he gave me Concerning helping folks in need. Widows. He talks about. People would assume. Well you know. If somebody is in need. You should help them. Not necessarily. If somebody's a widow. And in need. Certainly you should help them. Not necessarily. Honor widows. That are widows indeed. That, are, that really are widows. Verse 4. If any widow have children or nephews. Let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that's good and acceptable before God. Our next question, if people need help, we say, you know, are you able to work? Are you working? 
Are you trying to find a job? Well, God told me not to work. Well, if he did, he'll meet your needs. Bye. Because he didn't tell me. Why am I saying all this? There's a lot of junk going on. And a lot of people, you know, that claiming God said this and God said that, and he never did. The Lord's not going to tell you to do something contrary to his word, now is he? He's not. And there are cases where people really do need some help. And thank God the Lord could use us. And you know, somebody said, well, I think the church ought to help them. Good, go ahead. <laughs> you are the church. <laughs> you are the church. <laughs> Why do you think we've been teaching on prosperity all these years? So you can have ability, right? The second question is, what about your family? Why isn't your family helping you? We say, well, there's issues. I don't want to go there. That's a problem. The Bible says your family should be helping you. Does it or not? He's talking about widows and what the church does for widows. And keep reading verse 5. She that really is a widow. Now, what, that, what does that mean? Desolate. That means, that means she's depressed. It means she has nobody. She has no family. She really is alone. But if she's a good woman of God, she trusts God. And she's looking to him and praying night and day. She's trusting him. She's in faith. Right? But she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Just because somebody's in need doesn't mean the church should help them. Sometimes people, are, they spend all their money on beer. And they just need some help. Well, the church don't need to help them. <laughs> Verse 7. These things give in charge that they may be blameless. Verse 8. If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now there's been many, a good mom and a good dad that lost a job or had a, a, an off time with their finances that the devil used this and beat them over the head. You're worse than an infidel, not providing for your family. That is not what this is talking about. That's talking about people that have the ability to do something for their own kin folks, but won't do it, they try to get the church to take care of it. And he said, don't do it. To the pastor of the church, don't do it. You let their family take care of them. Didn't he? Verse 9, let not a widow be taken into the number. He begins to, even those that you do help, he begins to give specific qualifications for them. They don't need to be any younger than 60 years old. And they need to have been the wife of one man. Verse 10. Well reported of for good works. Good what? Working woman. Working woman. Brought up children. Lodged strangers. Hospitable. Washed the saints feet. Relieved the afflicted. She's diligently followed every work. Would everybody qualify for that? They wouldn't. That's talking about who the church helps. Verse 11. But the younger widows do what? What does that mean, refuse? What does that mean? Does that mean don't help them financially? That's exactly what it means. Don't provide for them financially. Why? Because they need to do something else. They need to get a job. They probably get involved again with, with somebody, get married, have a family. Can you see this? They need to work. 
Verse 13. They learn to be what? Well, of course, when the church is paying all your bills, you got all day to do nothing. Whoopee. And like we said, the devil drops by and goes, are you busy? (laughs) Did you hear what was happening to so-and-so? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear so-and-so's having trouble? So they go from house to house. And they're not just idle, but tattlers. What's a tattler? So-and-so said so-and-so about you. Tattlers and what else? Busy buddies. Want to know. Well, you can tell me. What happened? What'd they say? What'd they do? Then what are they going to do? Go to another house. Or nowadays you can go you, you can go house to house and never leave your desk. You can group email. Group email. You talk about tattling and busybody to a whole nother level. Speaking things they ought not be speaking. Telling things and saying things they ought not be saying. Why? Because the church is paying all their bills. Or some brother or sister is paying all their bills so they can sit at the house and do this. Because the Christians didn't read their Bible and didn't do what the Lord told them to do about these things. Churches are impoverished. Don't have money to do other things because they're spending it all on stuff that they shouldn't be. There's a time to help and there's a time not to. And people say, if you don't help me out, I'm not going to make it. Huh? I'm your source? I thought God was your God. Well, if the church don't help me out, I'm not going to make it. Oh, really? The church is your God. The church is your source. No, friend. Somebody said out loud, God God is my source. source. There are many channels, channels. but only one source. source. And if God is real, and he loves you, and he's your source, and you trust in him, then your needs will be met. You will have what you need. You don't have to beg anybody. You don't have to pull on anybody. And when he does use people, you should just be thankful for it. But you should never feel like they owed it to you because they had it, and you didn't. Nobody owes you anything but love. Just because I love you don't mean I owe you money. Keep reading. Verse 14. I will that the younger women. That's under 60. Bear children. Guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary. To speak reproachfully. That sounds like work. Doesn't it? Whether you're working at home. Or working outside the home. It's working. 15. Some have already turned after Satan. Some are just living for pleasure. Not trying to live and serve God. 16. If any man or woman that believes have widows, let them relieve them. What does that mean? Their own family. Take care of them. And what? Let not the church be charged. Don't let the church take care of that. If you can take care of your own, you take care of your own. And then the church can relieve those that are widows. Indeed, we already saw what that means. They got nobody. They really do have nobody. And they're not just begging anybody. They're believing God. They're trusting God. And there are cases like that that the Lord would deal with you to help them. Can you see this? Yes. So the two things the Lord dealt with me. And of course, once you receive this, it's not up to your opinion or what you think. You either do what he told you or you don't. And he said, do they have a job? And what's their family doing? These are two things you need to know before you move any further forward. Because I've already told you this in your word. And that's not going to change.
Faith without what? Works. Works is dead. Won't you stand on your feet? I think you've had enough. You know, uh, we sing the song in church. I sang it growing up. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. But I really think that that's not going to be an ordeal. You, you know, you saying here, up yonder. I think when the roll is called down here, it's where people need to say, here am I. I'm ready to go. I'll work. I'll do. I'll serve. It's down here that when the Lord calls, we need to say, I'm ready. We prayed about this for some folks a few weeks ago, but I, I think there's some people here maybe that weren't at that service. And then we got people watching by internet or TV. I want us to believe God for some great, great jobs. You got a witness about that? Let's believe God for some great, great jobs. Now, no condemnation. You're doing what you know to do. Uh, don't let the devil condemn you. We've already talked about that. But if you're able and you got opportunity and you just refuse to because it's not exactly what you thought you wanted or not enough pay. And so you just go month after month and your needs are not met. Hear the word. Hear the word. Quit this and get to it. Faith without working is dead. Close your eyes. Lift up your hand to the Lord. Sit out loud. Father God, thank you for being so good to us. Your truth makes us free. You told us not to be idle. You told us to work. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability and the opportunity. Because you wouldn't tell us to do something that you didn't make possible for us to do. We're asking you, for everybody in the church... All of our partners, everybody that will hook up with this, we're asking for great jobs, good jobs, good pay, good hours, good benefits, good working conditions. We're asking you for it in Jesus' name so that we can do what you've told us to do in your word. We believe we receive it. We thank you for it, and we give thanks in advance. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.